Welcome back to Slow Stories. While this podcast is all about slowing down, we can't believe how quickly time is flying, and we hope you've been enjoying a season two of the podcast so far. As a reminder, if you're looking for even more Slow Stories content, you can check out our extension column on Create and Cultivate for monthly stories on slow content, conscious business, and exclusive interviews with our featured guests. And speaking of stories, I'm truly honored to have today's featured interviewee, who also happens to be a dear friend, on the show. But before we get into the conversation, enjoy this slow story contributed by self-taught designer and entrepreneur Grace Wong of Jewels and Aces. Here's more from Grace. Hi, I'm Grace Wong, and I'm the founder and designer of Jewels and Aces. Something that recently made me slow down and stop scrolling was the book Company of One by Paul Jarvis. As a founder, I was drawn to this book because so often we're led to believe that success is defined by aggressive growth, huge fundraising rounds, and is achieved overnight. Somehow these unrealistic expectations have become the playbook that we think we should be following. The book isn't literally about running a business as just one person or necessarily staying small but it's about seeing small and slow as a mindset and taking a more intentional look at how to build a business based on your own values and goals that ultimately makes it more enjoyable for you while still achieving and sustaining the profitability that you want. I think this book is for any entrepreneur who's ever doubted whether they're on the right path. I recommend you check out Company of One by Paul Jarvis. For me, it was an encouraging reminder that there's more than one way to build a successful company. Thank you again to Grace for sharing. We couldn't agree more that the idea of small and slow are leading pillars in the modern business climate. And again, the book she referenced is Company of One by Paul Jarvis. Now, here's my conversation with Larissa May of Half the Story. Larissa May's energy and determination is unlike anything I've ever seen. Known to many as Lars, I personally met her in the early days of both of our creative careers and feel grateful to have kept in touch as both of our respective businesses have evolved to cater to a more conscious and mission-driven community. And even to this day, we often commiserate over the fact that staying focused on this path can be especially hard in a place like New York City. But it was here in this chaotic and beautiful place where Lars's story truly began as she launched the social media project turned nonprofit organization Half the Story. Put simply, the initiative is aimed at equipping the next generation with the knowledge and tools to use social media as a platform to connect and share the stories we don't often feel able to tell in a landscape that promotes highlight reels and filters. And with a growing global community under her belt, Lars is now setting her sights on working with larger institutions to ensure necessary change happens online in our increasingly complex social and political climate. We spoke more about these goals in today's chat, and Lars also shared her thoughts on how slow storytelling is the foundation of what she's doing with Half the Story, and in her consulting endeavors with leading brands like Otherland and Kenya Forks. So without giving too much away, here's my interview with Larissa. My name is Larissa May, also known as Lars, and I'm the founder of Half the Story, which is a global nonprofit platform promoting transparent conversations on social media to end the stigma associated with mental health and provide access to resources for youth around the globe. Um, I'm also an avid creator, always on the go, and a fanatic for dance parties for one, and 
probably one of the most social social people you'll ever meet. Um, for me, I my values in life have just shifted drastically since I decided to really turn inward and think about the stories that not only I'm telling, but create another platform for individuals, uh, as opposed to what my values were back in my fashion week life as a fashion blogger, chasing a dream that I realized quickly was not for me. It's really remarkable that you kind of started your career and also realized all of this at a relatively young age. Um, and after recognizing that need to slow down, you also put something into action where you followed up on your experiences to help others find a rhythm that works for them personally and professionally. So can you tell us a little bit more about the transition from fashion to nonprofit life? Absolutely. So for me, I remember the moment explicitly. I mean, Granted, my journey as an entrepreneur and a creative has had its fair shares of ups and downs as a result of mental health. But there was a specific moment for me at Fashion Week, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was running from a show. I think I think it was Betsy Johnson's last show at Penn Station to make it downtown to the AOL headquarters because I was covering a live taping of Diane von Furstenberg. And I had 12 minutes. I couldn't be late. I remember just feeling completely exhausted. I had barely eaten in 24 hours. I was Skype between, Skyping in between shows. And I was basically on the verge of a mental breakdown. And I completely like wiped out, ripped my jeans, cracked my new phone, and wound up making it to that taping and it was wasn't until later that day that I was I was sort of in this social media purgatory where I was going to share a photo on Instagram about my experience at Fashion Week and I remember posting an image posted up in front of Spring Studios and it was you know I looked great I had my hair done I had my whole outfit going it was published in L actually on the same day and and then I realized that the story that I was telling was complete which is false. And it was, it was so disconnected from the way I actually felt behind the screen. And so I came back and decided that enough was enough. And I basically decided to stop fashion blogging. And it was time to, to open up and talk about the other half of my personal story with social media and mental health, and also just create a platform for other people, whether it be in the industry or on campus at Vanderbilt, to share stories of their own. Because what I found is that social media has the power to connect individuals. I mean, it's why I'm on this podcast right now. We met essentially through social media. Um, however, it can be very disconnecting when it's not used in the right ways. So, I mean, I remember I just drew the Half the Story logo on a piece of paper in my college dorm room and had one of my friends mock it up. And I started sharing my story. I printed a couple hundred stickers and then started speaking to kids on campus. And um, it wasn't until I'd say a year after that I really started feeling the momentum. And we started I started using the different uh, relationships I built in the fashion industry to help um, amplify this movement. And so we a couple years, three years later, we then heard over 8,000 stories and we had community members in 99 different countries, which for me was a light bulb moment that, you know, this really had started with a small grant. And then I was putting my own money into this. And of course, there are always challenges as an entrepreneur with finances. And I realized that this is so much bigger than a project. This could be the gateway to ultimately um, building a foundation to subsidize mental health resources for youth around the world. Absolutely. And I love that this is being done through the lens of content because 
it or not, it's become such a part of our day to day. And obviously, as you know, for me, starting Connected Editorial and subsequently Slow Stories as a podcast is to really kind of hone in on this idea of what positive value can happen when we slow down our content creation and consumption while still creating value um, for brands and, and individuals. So I'm wondering, just based on your own experiences, how you would define this idea of slow content. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's it's almost self-explanatory in its own way that I think I think fast content can be very shallow, very surface level and very quick. And I think slow content is the ability to really look inward and tell your most authentic story, whether it be a brand story, whether it be an individual story. And you find that the deeper you can get and the longer time you take to be thoughtful about that story, how many more people that you'll ultimately be able to touch. And so I think that that's what's so empowering about slow stories and everything you're doing, Rachel, is that Every brand and even brands that I've worked with, it's a, it's a race to produce content. It's a constant comparison game and it's no different than individual comparison. And right now it's time to take a stance and not only just post stories or Instagram posts because there's an algorithm and we need to keep up with the crowd, but to actually create this moment to think about the types of content and stories that we're telling and how our customers and or community members ultimately see themselves within our own brand story. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the kind words. Can you tell me a little bit about how storytelling has translated into half the story's overall brand mission? Yeah. Well, I think the the first idea of half the story is ultimately it's going against your your typical social media behaviors, which is to post wherever you are, what you're doing, what you're eating and who you're with, um, that very surface level representation of who you are. And what we're doing is asking people to look inward, really to make, a, I call it a social media values check. And what I often do is encourage people to make a list of the most important things in their life and then see if it's actually reflected in their social media story. And and what they find and actually take, making this, taking this exercise and photographing themselves and sharing this other half of the story that it allows more time to actually think about the way they want to be represented. And for us, although on the outside, it might seem like we're getting stories every day, the stories take a really long time to come together. We have to have a constant dialogue with our different community members from around the world to help them ultimately share their stories. And I think that that's, you know, just just another layer of this that people might not even know that it isn't just about a QA, and a it isn't just about writing a paragraph, that there is a lot of thought and care that goes into every story. Absolutely. And has there been one particular story that's really resonated with you and kind of aligns with this idea that you can share? Absolutely. So there are two that really stick out to me. And so one of them is from a young girl that we recently connected with. And she's from Bolivia. And unfortunately, she reached out to us. Not unfortunately, we were very fortunate. She originally connected with story through half the story through social media. But her story was ultimately about how she lost her brother to suicide. And she lived in in Bolivia, where there isn't a lot of dialogue about mental health. America is relatively progressive. And for me, this, this was a huge wake up call and just realizing that this half the story movement or this idea of storytelling, this idea of mental health 
it goes is so much slower and other countries of the in the world than it is in the United States. And so for me, it was that reality check that I had to even take it a step back and think about how I was going to build our movement and our platform to serve others across the world. Um, and so I think that that was that I think we're very just in general, like it's, it's easy to see what's in front of you and, and want to keep going. But sometimes it requires stopping, slowing down and even taking steps backwards so that you can ultimately build the best version of your brand. Um, and, and so there, there was also another story that we, we have a lot of creatives that will submit stories just about what it's really like life on the road or entrepreneurs. I think we live in a world where, and this is something I struggle with, where it's like, it's no longer enough to just to do something or be the best at it um, or devote yourself to something, whether it be a musician or an entrepreneur. It's also this challenge to actually share all these moments in your life and almost have another life online as a, as a personality. And so Chris Job shared a story about really about how it's, you know, he's a musician and basically made this viral video called Thank You Internet. And what it was really about is that, hey, look, like on the outside for him, all these people were seeing he had this like amazing creative music video that was going viral and he was performing. But what people didn't know about was that he was spending 50 hours plus a week behind the screens in a studio. And a lot of that time was felt in anxiety and loneliness. And I think we we live in a world where we're so quick to, to talk about the wins and talk about the victories and share all the moments we're spending with people. But we're also feeling much more disconnected than other generations. And we have to slow down and think about those stories as well as create time to actually foster our relationships with the people that are around us. Yeah, absolutely. And I really love that your work is very much rooted in relationship building. And I think when we're talking about terms like slow or sustainable, I'm wondering how you think that sharing these kinds of content and stories will help us create even more kind of enduring, sustainable relationships in our personal and professional lives. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. For me, I always say that half the story begins online and ends offline. So for us, everything that we do digitally, we're pairing with something in real life. And the reason that we're creating this platform and forum for education and storytelling is not just to share stories and move on with your life. Our goal is really to share these stories and create human connections so and share different aspects of your life so that you can ultimately connect with people that you never thought you could before because of the surface level stories that you were telling. So I remember an example of this was one woman had shared she was a, a student and she from the outside had everything going for her. And she was, you know, the president of all these clubs and was a high performer and then had you know, securely landed a job at a top tech company. But what people didn't realize and she was this other part of her life. And it was that she had a brother who was intellectually disabled. And that was a big part of her life and why she had been involved in um, all these different organizations. And, and after she shared that story and people started to understand more of her her purpose or and and what was really going on behind the scenes in her life, they started reaching out to her and asking how they could get involved in these different organizations. And I think for me, like that is what the power of storytelling is. It's the ability to connect with someone and actually take an action and make the world a better place. And I think that same kind of thoughtful approach is also translating into other facets of your work. So I just want to shift gears for a minute and talk about your experiences 
as a social content creator and your experiences in working with brands like Otherland and now Can You Forex um, and how you think slow content kind of defined your work in those capacities as well. Absolutely. I think for Otherland, one of our biggest uh, obstacles is how are we going to tell the story of a candle that's been around for thousands of years? And so what what I decided is that it was much more than just showing the Instagram and the candle, that we really had to build a story around the aspirational people that were burning our candles, these urban dwellers that we were all following and, and wanting to figure out what their rituals were. Because for Otherland, the whole idea of having a candle is to share a share that with others, but also create meaningful moments of disconnection in in your own life. So what I did is I built a Instagram story editorial platform, which I hope they expand eventually into a longer blog called Coffee Table Confidential. And we were so lucky to feature you. Um, But the whole idea of, of Coffee Table Confidential was that the coffee table is the center of the home. It's often a place where you burn candles, you experience time with your loved ones, but it's also a place where you're disconnecting with your And so we built a series where we were ultimately featuring coffee tables and and like basically breaking down these different objects to better understand how these small vignettes were representative of these people. And so for us, as you know, it took I mean, it took a photo shoot, it took a, a questionnaire, it took a story. And and that for us was our way to really differentiate and become a player in the direct-to-consumer lifestyle space. Um, and, and so for Ken, I think you know, that's a completely different opportunity. And, and for us, so Ken is the world's first euphoric, which is um, an adaptogenic, a botanic, and nootropic blend that brings bliss and elevated state without the booze or alcohol. So for us, I think especially the beverage industry is so interesting because there's, I mean, they've been telling the same stories for hundreds of years at this point. And we have a new opportunity to really inspire people, not through the ult- the beverage itself, but through the goal of our beverage. And the goal of Can Euphorics is to unite all creators. And so for us, it's really about fostering human connections, whether it be at the bar, whether it be at a concert, or whether it be in your own home. And so we're ultimately building everything that we do for Kin is based around content. So we're thinking about uh, partnerships with bars, partnerships with hotels like the Hoxton, and how we can ultimately use these spaces, not only just to serve our product, but look at them from a 360 lens where we're activating in their space, we're building content around that space, and we're bringing our creators together to celebrate in that space. I'm wondering too, just based on your experiences on the production side, I think a lot of the questions that are coming up for me at this point are what or what exactly constitutes slow content? How do you bring that to life? And I'm wondering if you have advice on the things that fellow content creators or brands need to keep in mind to create content that has longevity in terms of their resources. Absolutely. So I think the first thing I would say is, I mean, it's interesting because I've worked with big budgets, I've worked with small budgets, and I built half the story on essentially no budget. And so I think the biggest and most important thing that I can say is self-explanatory and it's slow down. I think we live in a world where we're challenged to put out all this content all the time. And you have to really think about how you're translating your core mission and how that one word or one sentence or one 
editorial story is going to transcend beyond languages, ages, and demographics so that it can become something that's global and build with your brand. And I think that that's what we've really done with half the story and that it's it's not limited to any person, place, or, or language. Um, so you have to really think about the universality of your message and how you want to grow into that as a business. Um, but I would also say too, you need to really think about, there are basically two key components three key components when you're thinking about um, a content strategy. One is like what really defining that larger brand message, whether that be a hashtag of find your fire, hashtag of half the story, hashtag of rise wisely for your brand. Um, and then actually build out what that concept looks like. So figuring out the different components and how that story is not only going to be told on one channel, but how like the larger mission, it must be able to be expressed in a number of ways, whether that be Instagram stories, email, blog, and in real life events, um, or just really thinking beyond the platform, one single platform. I think that we're, we limit ourselves in that, in that way. And then the third is really thinking about budget and resources. I think that a lot of brands struggle with really building budgets. And I think a lot of people have a million dollar ideas with a hundred dollar budgets, not necessarily that, but everything costs money. And I think creatives, I believe need to get paid. And we live in a world where now it's, it's become harder, whether it's a musician or an artist um, to, you know, in a lot of ways, exposure has become easier. And as access is easier, it's sometimes it's harder to justify, um, you know, paying them. And I think we just need to get better about that and hold each other accountable as brands and be realistic as we're going into these budgets so that so that everyone is producing their best work. And although that doesn't directly relate to the, relate to the story, I just think it's so important that as women, we stand up for each other, but as creators, we also do as well. And we hold ourselves accountable, especially as a producer. You're basically in that space. You're negotiating budgets. You're talking to the client. And we just have to continue to set realistic expectations. Absolutely. I'm really glad you pointed that out. And I think that'll be an ongoing conversation that unfortunately we'll have to keep up with the pace of our constantly changing landscape. So I hope that slow content can at least give some of us permission to slow down and really make informed decisions when we're building out these strategies and these teams. Totally. No, a hundred percent. And I don't think people talk about it enough. Like I, I think it's just, it's a reality and you have to know how much time and money goes into that content, whether it's talent on your team or creators. And it's, it's, it's one, it's one big, uh, one big puzzle. Yes, one worth solving though. And speaking of things that we're not talking a lot about, as you know, one question that we we tend to pose in these um, interviews that always kind of elicits a, a unique response is, what is one question you wish people asked you more often? And I'd love to know your response to that as it regards to your work with Half the Story and your work as a founder in a landscape that really kind of sets a standard to perform as a female founder on social? Yeah, I mean, I think one question I wish people asked me about, ironically, is is more about my struggles rather than my wins. I think that it's it kind of just plays into that larger story of wanting to highlight and, and talk about how we've done so many things, but there's also so many struggles that I deal with on a daily basis as an entrepreneur and would love to be able to share them with other people so that they don't feel alone or isolated. I think that, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I, I 
I think although I am talking about a mental health movement and like I and I'm building a mental health nonprofit doesn't mean that I don't have my own struggles. And I think even though I talk about them, it's it's sometimes represented as like outside of my business and how it affects me. And I think that my I always say, you know, my brain is my biggest asset, but also my biggest obstacle. And so for me, it's it's really figuring out that cadence and I'm still working through it in terms of how I can perform, but also manage my life and my the expectations I have for myself so that I'm not falling behind and I'm not putting myself last. That's great. And again, I think that's something that will always be part of the process as you endure different challenges throughout your personal and professional life. Yeah. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs in the same kind of situation who may be struggling to slow down? And I think the biggest thing is figuring out what your non-negotiables are in terms of the time that you need for yourself and really figuring out when you can say no and how to say no. It's something I'm still learning how to do, but you know, I've realized that at this point, I'm not going to sacrifice my physical fitness or my sleep um, for my work. So if I'm going to stay up late to finish a project, I'm going to let my client know that hey, I'm not going to be available until noon today because I was up late last night and I need to take care of myself. And I think that by taking a stance on your self-care and being open about that and, and your communication, it also inspires your teammates and the people around you to be able to be open and also take care of themselves, which when you want to talk about slow stories, it's it'll ultimately lead to higher performance in the long run. Absolutely. There are obviously so many other questions that I think we could tackle in this interview alone. But just to wrap up this particular conversation, I would love to know why you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better. I think slowing down a relationship to content will ultimately improve our humanity as a whole. And I think that right now, because we're addicted to content, we aren't spending enough time with ourselves. And by creating that space, we'll ultimately be able to better understand our values, invest our time wisely, and create space for the things that matter and achieve our goals and build a life that's worth living. Um, Not just to get on the lists of for 30 under 30 or to get the press or to be seen, but to truly go down a path and connect with ourselves so, so that we can figure out what it means to be fulfilled. That was the incredible Larissa May of Half the Story. Larissa's personal and professional story is still unfolding right before our eyes. So if you want to follow her journey online, you can check out her daily updates on Living Like Lars. And of course, join the conversation around mental health in the digital age at Half the Story on Instagram. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, and you've been listening to Slow Stories by Connected Editorial. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode in early May. Thank you so much for listening.